0: "'will be gladly left behind.' That vow that Chloe made when she was 12 years old was to carry her through the whole of her life. Chapter One Each and every morning, when Chloe Collard sat up in bed and reached to pull open her curtains, she cast her eyes downwards and was immediately captivated by the amazing display that stretched out as far as she could see. The vast variety of cabin cruisers, the huge yachts that the locals laughingly referred to as gin palaces, the tall masts on the sailing boats, even the poor man's 16-foot cuddy boats, all moored in Brighton's Harbour Marina, were a joy to behold, and she never failed to thank God for the way her life had turned out. She was 24 years old, and she owned this penthouse apartment in one of the tall blocks that had in recent years been built around the busy marina. She also had a fantastic job, personal assistant to Roger McKinnon, who was a director of a firm of diamond merchants. Her vastly different way of life was entirely down to that one man. Chloe had been born in the East End of London. Her father had been killed in a tragic accident in the dockyards, and her mother had lost the will to live and died less than a year later. Chloe felt she couldn't lay any blame at her mother's door. Her parents had been devoted to one another, from the moment they'd set eyes on each other. The first four years after they'd gone had taught Chloe the meaning of the word poverty. She'd been fourteen, and her two brothers, Peter, aged twelve, and Matthew, aged nine, had become her responsibility. There hadn't been much help on offer. The rows, shouting matches, and arguments, the tears and recriminations that had followed, had been heartbreaking for Chloe. Money was short. Her father had lived for the day, never giving a thought to saving for the future. In sheer desperation, Chloe had given in to the persuasion from their local Catholic priest and had agreed that both Peter and Matthew should be allowed to emigrate to Australia, where, she'd been assured, they would have a wonderful life and be given an excellent education. Left alone, Chloe had greatly felt the loss of her family, but sheer determination to better herself had driven her to study hard. Finally, she had achieved the credentials to secure herself a place at university. Her efforts had paid off. She'd landed a job in the call centre of Associated Securities, a member of the National Association of Goldsmiths, dealers in diamonds and precious stones. It hadn't taken long for Roger McKinnon, one of the firm's directors, to notice her, and after six months she'd been offered the job as his personal assistant working with him from offices situated above premises in Meeting House Lane in Brighton. From that day on, she'd never looked back. She'd entered a world that previously had been unknown to her. Chloe was aware that not only was she well treated, she was well paid. In return, she was a good employee. She shielded Roger from unnecessary disturbances and made sure he kept every important appointment. She also sidelined all nuisance telephone calls. As she thought about her good fortune, a broad smile spread across her face and she pictured the man who'd become her saviour. Roger McKinnon was a good-looking, broad-shouldered, heavy-featured man in his mid-fifties. He still had a good head of dark brown hair, though his sideboards were edged with grey. Thick, bushy eyebrows over dark brown eyes gave a suggestion of the authority that radiated from him at all times. He was immaculately dressed, in well-cut suits, and his shoes were handmade from good leather. He'd been born in Guernsey, the only son of a well-to-do family who'd realised early on that he'd been blessed with near-genius intelligence. Chloe looked at her bedside clock. It was 7.30. Time to get out of bed and prepare herself for yet another interesting day. Having taken her shower and dressed herself in the clothes she'd made a habit of laying out the night before, She found it saved her a lot of time, deliberating as to what she was going to wear. She drank her usual glass of orange juice and then spent the next twenty minutes supplying her makeup. Now she only had her hair to arrange. She smiled as she sat facing her reflection in the dressing table mirror. Well aware that her hair really was her crowning glory. The colour of a well-polished chestnut, it was thick and long enough to hang over her shoulders. During office hours, she coiled it into either a French pleat or sometimes a bulky bun, which she held in place with decorative side combs.